Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tyranny Talks, cuz fuck Ted. You're about to listen to me in conversation with April Flores, a porn performer, model, and artist from Los Angeles. April is an extremely creative and voluptuous woman and the star of Fat Girl, a fine art book in collaboration with her late husband, the photographer Carlos Bats. Published in 2013, Fat Girl documents 12 years of their shared creative practice, April modeling, Carlos shooting, and their relationship flooding the resulting images with intimacy and hotness. In 2005, April got her start performing in porn with Belladonna, the legendary performer and director, and later became the first fat woman to appear on the cover of Adult Video News or AVN magazine. April also became the first BBW porn performer to have a masturbator modeled after her with the launch of Topco's Voluptuous Pussy, which was modeled not just after her vagina, but her stomach and thighs too for a full body experience. To the best of my knowledge, April remains the only BBW performer with such a mold. In 2014, April was awarded the first ever AVN Award for BBW Performer of the Year. And in 2015, April won a Feminist Porn Award for her work in Lesbian Curves 3, Soft Girls, and Strap-Ons. Most recently, April appeared in a Shape of Beauty video with male talent Seth Gamble, who plays a masseuse, giving her a treatment in a scene set at a fancy spa. The scene can be accessed on the premium porn streaming service, Adult Time. April believes everyone has the right to feel worthy of pleasure and wrote about beauty, size, and embodiment in her contribution to Tristan Tamarino's The Feminist Porn Book, The Politics of Producing Pleasure. Listen to this entire episode for a chance to win a very special gift from April and me. Enjoy! Welcome. It is a Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? It's Monday. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, we're smoking blueberry kush, drinking rose water, uh, eating dragon fruit, mango, and strawberries. I'm at the wonderful Margot Padilla studio in Los Angeles. And Tyranny Talks is back. We have new episodes. I hope you missed us. Thank you for everyone who's been listening. Today, I am here with... Somebody who is one of a kind, as we all are as God's creation, but especially this person. (laughs) Um, I'm here with April Flores. Welcome, April. Thank you, Tierney. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy that you came and agreed. Um, I have been waiting to interview April for so long, don't you think? Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think back as to when we met. Must be like five years ago at this point. I think so, too. And it's so funny because um, I think I shared this with you once before, but I'll never forget the first time I saw 
a photo of you because oh. did I tell you this? I don't think so. I don't know. When I was in high school, I was at book. I was about to finish high school, so I was like 18, and I went to Book Soup, the bookstore in West Hollywood, and they had a big copy of your amazing book, Fat Girl, in collaboration. Oh, oh. yeah, and I opened it. I was like, I mean, not even opening it. I was just like, what? Because it's a bright pink, glossy, highly glamorous book. Very, like, large size, you know, like, really beautifully presented. And then for the text fat girl to be atop that, I was, like, so excited. (laughs) And, like, I hadn't really, you know, this is before there was a, quote, body positivity moment or movement. And, like, I liked porn and I liked different types of bodies in porn. But, like... As a emerging coming of age, like plus size, uh, very exhibitionist person, <laughs> it was just like finding gold. Oh my god, I, I might start to cry um, because that it, you saying that is exactly why I wanted to call the book Fat Girl because that um, those two words separately are charged, but together I feel like everyone has like a gut reaction to. F- those two words together especially back then yeah and I'm glad you you brought that up because times have changed a little bit but back then I was like okay fat girl that title is gonna grab people in and be like what the fuck is this exactly and I'm all about pink so <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm glad it spoke to you and coming like hearing that six years later after it was published right. that's super like powerful to me so thank you of course Thank you. And so the book was published in 2010 about or sorry? Uh, 2013. Oh, okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking like, what's my timeline? But yeah, it's just so cool. Like what you're saying, because around, I don't know, the body positivity movement as like an idea. I think it's still very much an idea, even though I do feel there's like cultural shifts that you can like grab onto and actually experience as a person of size. There's also like... It's still a lot of words for the most part. I don't know. What do you feel like? Have How do you notice a change since, like, you pushing out your work at the beginning of your career or just, like, life in this body versus now? Um, I'm sorry. I'm kind of getting over a cold. So. Oh, it's all good. <coughs> we want to hear it all. April Flores, breathe, cough, blink. Uh, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that you said people of size. So I will I will answer your question, but yeah. I want to. I, I thought of something as you were talking. Do you what 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 term do you prefer? Like, do you like people of size, fat, zoftig? Like, what what right. word do you like? When someone when I I don't know how zoftig got thrown my way, but when that <laughs> when that got thrown out here, I was like, what? I had to. I was so excited to learn a new fancy phrase for this. Um, I'm down for anything as long as you're talking about me, you know, <laughs> fat. <laughs> fat, plus size. I mean, plus size is actually the worst one of it to me. Oh, hey, me too. Right? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, it just feels like very generic and it just has no spice. It's like, uh, like a weed wrap, like extendo. <laughs> like... <laughs> The hardcore sizes. Yeah, plus size for that blunt that you want to share with all your right. friends. <laughs> That's the good application. I know. <laughs> I mean, there's just, it's so funny. Like, I definitely wasn't somebody who growing up would have been like, I am a fat person. Right. And I, I'm curious about your experience, but in terms of that kind of identity, I feel like it really did take me a long time to 
acknowledge that my body is mine. Mm -hmm. And I feel like until I was like even 25, even as an exhibitionist before this and somebody who was very into modeling and like being seen, I still mostly attempted to feel separate from my body Mm. until like even two years ago, I feel. Um, And I think that's because I wasn't trying to be out here being like, I'm a fat girl, fat girls rule. Like I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't feel like, you know, I think it's very common. You want to, a lot of people coming of age who have a bigger body, you want to diminish that that is the case, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least for me, I, I wanted to, like understate my fatness and guess what it didn't work instead that was like kind of a preoccupation like I was just being like speaking of weed like getting high and then suddenly feeling like so out of my body and Mm. like it was just super weird I feel like that characterized a lot of my coming age experiences yeah I think we definitely can um tend to want to separate from our bodies especially if you grow if you grew up like have hearing comments from like family or classmates or even just the media you know just hearing things that um perpetuate the idea that a skinny body is more worthy or has a better value than a fat body right Um, normal normal right healthy (laughs) exactly um going back to your previous question um i think things have changed like you said in like language and verbiage and ideas but in actual life practice I I think there is some change I think social media like absolutely um sped up the change yeah because I follow a lot of people on Instagram and they have you know it the 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 accounts that um have pictures along with these inspirational messages or these just like powerful um thoughts right that really help people feel better. I think that those are important, and I think that's what is starting the shift. Uh, but yeah, let's lots of work to do. Right. Plus size work to do. Plus size amount of work to do <laughs> in the fat acceptance movement. <laughs> we have a wide load of work. Uh, <laughs> what's funny is, so yeah, I mean, do you have a preferred term? Like, do you like to talk about yourself as? Curvy, voluptuous. Um. I like fat, and I I feel like well, it's, yeah, fat girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since I thought of that title, like maybe ten years ago, I, I started identifying as like that because also with the title, I wanted to change the connotation of the word, which I think it is changing yes. slowly. Um, but I I don't like plus size like you do. I right. I just like fat. It's just a descriptive. Like it's I joined why. Well, Okay, I won't. I I I I was speaking to someone um, recently, and they were gonna do a bio of me, (laughs) Uh (laughs) and they were like, "How do you want to be referred to?" And I said, "Fat." And they're like, "Well, no, 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 not fat." And I'm like, "Why?" Like, even their response to me self-identifying as that resistant. They're like, "Why?" And so I was like, "Okay, well, we can do voluptuous." Right. I like the word voluptuous because... It just sounds sexy, right? It sounds sexy. And my radio show is Voluptuous Life. Yes. And Carlos Batts, my, my late husband, he and I um, did a movie together called Voluptuous Life. So I have like a emotional tie to that word. Identifying with it. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, I wanted to say that your book is in collaboration with your late husband, Carlos. Yeah. And, um, were you modeling prior to... Um, 
your relationship with him or was that connected in any way? Because I know the book project came out of that kind of creative sharing. Yeah, I, I had been modeling um, for friends and people that I knew who were hobbyists. Um, I took a photography class in high school my junior and senior year. I was really lucky to go to a school that had that program. So in addition to learning uh, photography, I feel like we kind of learned modeling because we were each other's subjects. Yeah. So I had uh, that little background and like interest, piqued my interest. And then, um, but no, nothing professional, not till I met Carlos in the year 2000. Nice. Yeah. And was that... I'm curious kind of your uh, track into working in the porn world eventually or working like from the hobbyist erotica. Uh, was it sort of a slow and steady progression? Did it was it very personal at first in terms of you and him? Yeah, exactly. So those are perfect ways to describe it. Slow and steady and personal. Um, so I started off just doing nude modeling. Like he's the first person I modeled in lingerie and topless. I was like so nervous. It's funny because. When I first met Carlos, I called my mom. I was like, I met a photographer. I'm going to model for him. And she was like, don't do it. He's going to put pic naked pictures of you all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, right. Um, right. But, you know, I... With your consent. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, <laughs> little did she know how much you would like it. Yeah. I, I met him and he wanted to shoot me. And I was still in a, a time of transitioning from feeling uncomfortable in my skin to feeling comfortable and um modeling and like lingerie and topless is something that I never thought I would do but I enjoyed it immensely the day after I shot with him I woke up and I was just like oh my god I feel like reborn you yeah. know just having that outlet to just be free um, it was it was really great for me. So the the transition from that to performing in porn was slow, and um, so I was with Carlos for um, I think five years, five or six years until I started performing. And so I had that whole time to become comfortable in front of the camera and have room to grow in the types of media that I wanted to produce be more produce more of and be part of. And, um, yeah, so I had the opportunity to shoot with Belladonna. So cool. Yeah. Legend. Yeah, legend. Legendary porn director, mm -hmm. producer, et cetera. All of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so when I had that opportunity, I, I took it. And I thought I was going to do one scene. So I wore a wig. What color? It was a Cleopatra wig. Very yes. cute, black, you know, bangs, uh -huh. bob. And she had one, too. So she wore the same wig. It was very, like, matchy cute. And I loved it. I lo that was the first woman I had sex with. It was on camera. I, oh, yeah? Yeah. So I... Um, had you made out with girls before that or like kind of had a vibesiness? Like, <laughs> vibesy. But femmes, they scared me and they still scare me. Like, I don't... Yeah. You know, I was attracted to that, but I didn't know how to like pursue that. Uh, so... I think they scare me too. <laughs> right? Like, what I, I think you scare me. <laughs> you scare me too. <laughs> um... So, yeah, and after I shot, I thought, you know, that was amazing. I entered porn in a really privileged way because I, you know, I didn't have to do it for survival or money. I did it because I wanted to, like, express myself and continue my, my personal growth. Um, so I, I do acknowledge that my experience in porn is very different than other people's. 
um, I just had autonomy to say yes or no or, you know, right. really work on projects that I, I felt would be good for my legacy. Right. It's definitely not to downplay your career in terms of saying it's a hobbyist, but it sort of sounds like you've blended. It's like still really driven by your passion for like this mode of creativity. And it is sort of an interesting like professional placement. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so after the first scene, I got a chance to do another scene at the time. A lot of our personal and close friends were also, you know, Carlos was a photographer, filmmaker. So we knew in a lot the of industry in the industry. We knew a lot of those people. So I was all already running in those circles. So once friends knew I was performing, then I got another opportunity, then another. And then I thought, well, maybe this is more than just like a one time, two time thing. Let me right. do, tell my mom that way. Like, I don't have to worry about someone else telling her seeing me or anything uh-huh. uh and then yeah it's just been a really great way to, for me to like explore myself my sexuality my creativity be able to affect other people's lives emotions emotions all that stuff it's so cool and here i am right <laughs> and when you um started stacking those gigs like you had shot and then you shot again and then maybe you shot a third time were there private moments like with Carlos or with yourself or with friends where you were or even just alone, you know, like kind of taking stock of yourself like I'm fucking doing this. Like, I don't know. Like, did you feel like extra hot? Uh, no, because I was still very much in the whole creative creative process of it. Like, that's what I love. Um, and for me, being very close to it, I, I need like space between whatever present time it is and when I shot something I see I need that space to look back on it with out being like hypercritical or empathy just empathy and compassion exactly and also like being put in the moment I'm motivated by the process and and performing and doing it not so the much after. yeah okay, like the after is you. like whatever not really right. whatever but yeah because for me, you're truly enjoying love it but this is the thing because I'm glad you raised the point that you have a unique story um, or a unique entry point into the industry in that it wasn't devised ever as your primary income, mm -hmm. which in some, you know, which is a privilege, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why you bring it up to honor that. But I also think that the narrative of the opposite of that is really enlightening and good for people to hear because I, you know, from, as you know better than me, but like within sex media, the narrative that gets perpetuated so much is that all sex workers, including all porn performers, hate their job or that everyone's exploited or that everybody is only in doing that because they have no other option. Or I think right. these are like some of the stigmas. And yeah, like a, a horrible child, childhood. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think you know better than me, I'm sure. But just as like a pretty sex positive person, I really hear how even a lot of like feminist people or queer people, like people who you might think other who would assume otherwise still carry pretty heavy assumptions about what it means to be in porn so mm. it's good to bring it up right um and for the most part of people who i've met and connected with who are sex workers and perform um that's not the case especially now it's all about people just hustling making their money like this is a business this is a job yeah um so yeah that that narrative of like victims or people just doing it to survive that's definitely true and it's true within any industry right well so like um i think it's like someone liking their job i mean 
we're going to get into the juiciness of you actually oh. liking your job <laughs> or at least doing porn, but like uh, other jobs, who knows? But then like, what do I want to say? Like at the same time, um, someone not liking their job isn't really grounds for ethical evaluation. You know, not every waitress or ATM like person, or I don't know, just people working at the bank, people working at all these institutions or Let's talk about entertainment. Everybody on set, like, um, not everyone necessarily loves their job, you know, but that doesn't give somebody else grounds to, like, ethically evaluate it, you know? Totally. Like, I've done lots of work, and the work that is most dehumanizing and just awful for me personally was, like, customer service type shit. You know, that for me was not <laughs> right not enjoyable and i was um you know degraded daily and treated like shit and, yeah. and you just have to like swallow it because you know quote unquote that's your job uh but yeah if 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 someone's thinking that anyone who performs in porn is like a victim or, or stuff like that just like challenge yourself a little bit to think a little bit further right um, that does exist but like I, like we both agree like that kind of people don't like their jobs and lots of shit right and um so let's see like when you're doing a shoot like you have a shoot that's a video it's porn um cuz then you do stills and other stuff that's not porn too like as someone who does enjoy the process you're saying you enjoy the process like the experience of being there what do you think you like the most about being on set with another performer or just by yourself with the cameras Hmm. I enjoy the whole process from like getting the email or having the idea to um fleshing out the ideas makeup is great I think the best part for me is when you first get on set and the lights come on that just like that glorious moment before just waiting for everything to happen. Right. That it's for so me is, fun. it's so magical and it's like a religious experience in some ways. Like, I yeah. don't know why or how, but that's how I feel. Right. And I think performers, you know, I think too often we think of like adult entertainment as distinct from entertainment and Hollywood and being storytellers and actors. And I don't know, I feel like some of that magic you're talking about, that's something that like is relatable across like entertainers. Yeah, I was talking to Nina Hartley a long time ago and she said, you know, porn is media. And I had never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, she's fucking right. Right. Porn is a form of media as even though like, m- you know, quote unquote mainstream media would not want us to be in the same um, category or, or sentence. But how much do they profit off of the idea of sex workers? Right. So much. Even like hustlers. I didn't see it, but, you know, it got all this buzz because it's about strippers, you right. know, or any like pretty woman or anything like yeah. all of these movies that tell our story in a Hollywood like fantasy way with the high stakes and <laughs> glamour and, you know, like all these like aspects to that actually could be real to sex work in different ways, but that like we're like fetishizing and romanticizing for the Hollywood narrative of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, yeah, Hustlers, when I saw it, I the minute it began, or, you know, really soon into the movie, there's this long strip sequence with J-Lo, and I was thinking, I was just laughing because already opening weekend, there was a lot of feedback that was like, 
um, oh, Hustlers is outperforming. Like women, you know, women-led films can achieve at the box office. And I'm watching that strip tease and I'm like, who the fuck thought J-Lo as a stripper like wasn't gonna be a hit? You know, like how were we wondering how this would play? Like, it's funny. It's also very like uh, as somebody who, you know, seeks more creative opportunities within entertainment, it's something that I keep close to me because I feel like some of the journalism and like my experience, like I've been so lucky to do a lot of like media creation um, involving and about sex, including sex work that I just always want to keep those standards tight when Mm. it comes because I do know that it's such a quick thing to like be adoring about. I read your piece on Sophia Rose. Amazing. I loved oh, it. Oh, really? I loved it. That's so nice to hear because Sophia Rose is um, a, another porn performer. She is a BBW icon in her own right. And you two are friends, right? Oh, yeah. I just had dinner with her last night. Oh, nice. Yeah. But when when I read it, I hadn't seen you for years or yeah. maybe a year or so. Yeah, I hadn't sure. seen her for a few months, but I felt like I was there in the car with Aww. you. And just like everything you wrote about, it, it was just, I love your writing. I appreciate that yeah. so much. Um, so earlier this year, I went to Miami. Um, for people who didn't read the story, I went to Miami and I shadowed Sophia Rose on set with Plumper Pass, which is a BBW porn site, um, to put it simply. Uh, and it was so funny because, you know, she said I was there on the perfect day because some of those shoots, you know, are just like, in your average Miami apartment. (laughs) Uh, Typically, we all know what those look like from the porn, but um, (laughs) for her shoot that day, we went to a horse ranch very outside near the Everglades. So it was a very surreal cinematic moment because it was like a four-person crew, Sophia being extremely beautiful, sensuous, powerful, um, and just like, tougher rugged because she's in the hay you know like the horses in the hay and it was um a memorable experience and I hadn't really looked into like I don't know because that story was really about what it means to be a BBW right or in the industry right now and I feel like I mean that's basically how you're classified in porn too right do you feel like identifying with that title yeah, BBW is what what I've been. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, as part of that story, it was interesting because these different threads of conversation came up, and I would love to hear um, what you think about them as, like, from your personal experience. Um, for one, like, just this idea of, like, people think, some people think that the term BBW is fetishizing, and, like, I, and I'm just curious, like, because when I hear that, I'm like, of course, nobody wants to be fetishized without their consent. Right. But if you're doing porn and you know you're going to be classified BBW, I feel like that's kind of the consent, right? Like, I don't know. Or do you like being fetishized? Because I think I do to some degree and I'm not a, I'm a hobbyist, right? <laughs> but I'm like from your perspective, like. Is it a problem to be fetishized for your body? Or do you think that every fan of yours... This is an assumption that's very big. Is that, like, every fan of yours is, like, a straight-up, like, fat fetishist? Do you um, think that's true? I, I I don't know. I perhaps should think deeper about this. But 
again, I just do it for like really selfish reasons. Like right. I love the performing, whatever. It's kind of the same answer um, I give to is is porn objectifying. Um, I love doing porn and I feel empowered doing it. Right. If someone else feels like I'm objectified, that's their shit. There's their problem. Like I right. am like th- thriving and feeling great. Um, exactly. In terms of being fetishized, I I don't. I don't know. Maybe some of my fans are just, you know, fetishizing me. But is that bad? I, you know, it, that's their business. <laughs> like they could right. be thinking worse things about, like, yeah. Doing I've gotten those like emails and stuff. Um, so I'm fine. I'm right. I'm out there. I'm fucking. I'm putting myself. You know, I'm opening up myself to any type of like feedback. From the the best to the worst. Right. But I learned a long time ago not to care, be consumed by comments or, or, you know, worrying about other people. Because when I did that, it was a spiral and I would just like, you know, I I don't read comments anymore. I haven't for years and years because I I did like a story for like Jezebel or whatever. And then I read the comments and they were just like awful. And then, you know, everyone's saying nice stuff and you just read one and that's the one you... Remember, on. Mm-hmm. was it a story that you wrote or like that you had been quoted in? I, maybe it was an interview and maybe it wasn't even Jezebel. I don't right, remember. Right, right. But, but that makes sense as like a comment. You know, one of those sites like Jezebel, at least, that has the comment feature super built in. Gawker. Yeah, I, I had a, a sex toy molded after my pussy. Yeah, It's very weird. You know, it's like my... I've seen it. <laughs> it's like my <laughs> pussy area and like some of my thighs you know it's right. it's weird it's a weird object um but i remember i think that's around the time when i stopped reading comments because that is when people thought okay that's the like ultimate objectification of like your pussy becoming an object and i thought you pussy know on amazon <laughs> <laughs> they're still out there you can yeah. buy you can buy it from me I actually i was reading the reviews <laughs> i was reading the comments on them oh, they're very good positive okay thank you like multiple best toy ever oh i swear i remember a guy (laughs) um i met him at some convention or something and he came up to me and carlos he was like i destroyed that pussy (laughs) i destroyed it so yeah he ripped that uh pussy in half (laughs) (laughs) and i thought that was you right open i didn't feel anything uh do you own one i own a few yeah so nice. that's why, yeah, if, if anyone wants a stroker, I have those on sale. Stroker. If we have any people with penises that would like a stroker, mm-hmm. we might be. I already want to do a giveaway with listeners for, um, I want to gift someone a copy of your book, Fat Ooh. Girl. But now that we talk all this stroker stuff, <laughs> I bet there could be someone who'd want that as well. Tell me about getting molded for the stroker. Like, do you remember that at all? Did you have to like... I've seen a, I've been to Doc Johnson in the Valley where there's like a cement or cement clay studio. <laughs> what was your experience like? It was for a company that's now non-existent. Um, I was, this is back when I used to party a lot. I was very hungover the day of yeah. the molding. It, we had to be deep in the Valley early. And I just remember being like super hungover and, um, they they were just like a team. It was like a team of like three people and they it was like a machine. They just, you know, slathered some Vaseline or some type of lubricant on me 
And when the man did it, like he went over my clip, you know, he had to get everywhere. Yeah. So he like made sure to get it. And I was like, oh my God, it's turning me on. You know, right. it was a stranger just touching me. Um, stranger pressing like molding clay onto your clay. Well, it was like the Vaseline, so it wouldn't oh, get I stuck. See. Even better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I was like, you know, I'm an exhibitionist also. So it was a room yeah. like Carlos was there. Like, I think he brought a camera person. Then there was the people that worked for the company. So it was just like all eyes on me, pants off. Like I'm at the gyno, but I'm not <laughs> spread wide. And um, and the man was handsome, too. So I was just like, ooh. And then they worked really quickly because the molding material dries fast. So okay. they had to like pour it over me and lift it off as soon as it dried they did they did a few they also did uh i'm gonna get gross yeah people don't like gross stuff just forward they ahead. don't listen to this uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay um uh you know like when you are hungover you have and i was nervous also so i had like the hangover nervous yeah. morning shits stomach yeah so uh i remember they did my asshole and then um and then when they brought out the mold like after it had been you know taken from my yeah. body I saw the asshole part and there was like some poop on there. Oh my God. <laughs> so and do you feel like everyone saw? <laughs> I was like, I don't Or do care. you think only you were like inspecting the. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a chunk. I just saw a like smear. a little a little smear of it. I'm obsessed. Uh huh. And then um, after that, they did my face, which was the most fucked up crazy thing. Really? I, I have um, experienced. They like poured this shit all over my face. I had like straws out of my nostrils yeah. and um once that material went all over my, my face and stuff and I couldn't move I felt so constricted and I hate that feeling yeah. so it was just like a, the worst feeling I like my body started getting hot I started like freaking out a little bit but I was just like okay I have to like stay still like this is for a really like cool thing right and like something that you even if you're not as focused on fans as much as you are your own erotic experience of what you do the fact is you have plenty of fans who you knew you were creating something that like people would really enjoy and get pleasure out of totally yeah i wonder like where that face mold is <laughs> right oh yeah because that was just for kind of kicks or i, don't, I actually don't know why they <laughs> that was did for that. the molders uh, <laughs> yeah i mean while there's like my face in someone's house <laughs> I'm going to auction it off. Um, <laughs> that's way too pricey for a giveaway. Sorry, listeners. Um, that's so funny. Like, something I love about, that's pretty unique. I think it remains pretty unique about your masturbator toy. I mean, come on. You're my first guest that has their own vagina toy for sale. Hey. And then I suddenly realized who I've spoken to. I'm like, is it true? Yes. <laughs> um, but what I love about your model is that it has like a bit of a belly mm -hmm. at the top of it, right? Was that something that existed in the market before your toy? No, my toy was the first um, molded from a fat body. Right. Uh, so that that's what I was super proud of back then. Like, it's the first one. And when they contacted me, they were like, we make toys, blah, blah, blah. And I thought they were meaning like little figurines. When we got there for the meeting, I was like, oh, sex toy. Oh, my gosh. You're like, oh, wait, I've yeah. been doing porn. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you were like, I want a little homies doll, but uh, yeah. me. <laughs> like, wh what am I going to be wearing? Right, that's so cool. Um, I feel like that part of the belly gets called like the fupa, right? Fupa, fat, fat I, upper pussy area. Is that the belly or like the actual like oh like pubic actual area? Yeah, it? like 
the like this soft part right here. Oh, really? Oh, so now That's I have I both. <laughs> we have it all. <laughs> I they were the same. That is tripping me out. That's so funny. So you got a fupa and a little belly in your toy. There's a little bit of a lonja. If the Spanish speakers out there, there's a fat roll there and a fupa. And some like thigh. Nice. And I feel like I just wanted to emphasize that, like, because there's so much desirability politics, and like, obviously, we're gonna keep talking about that throughout this, but like, for people who have this, there's just such an idea, there's the underlying cultural idea that's so pervasive that fat people are not fuckable, mm -hmm. that fat people are not desirable, that they're not like, bestowers or like icons of like sex you know and um we know that's not true because we've had plenty of sex um and then <laughs> you know and i think a lot of fat people know that's not true for a multitude of reasons but um this idea that people are you know men could buy and all types of people could buy all sorts of masturbator toys but people are choosing a model with a thigh and with like the curvier and like more heaviness to it and I feel like that's just important to emphasize because it's like fuck you like not only are you so hot but like people want to pay to touch your belly among yeah. other things <laughs> right yeah it was, it was exciting back then and I think that now the platforms exist for models to monetize their work that didn't exist back then so I think a lot of these old companies with these outdated ideas they're in some in on some levels they're a little bit obsolete because you know now models get to just sell their own shit right and do you think that like I don't want to say it's a niche because it's a category, but do you think within a category like BBW that the independent entrepreneur mode could potentially be like more fruitful for some of these like full-time performers? I believe so, yeah. Um, you know, we have, and kind of going back to your previous question about the term BBW, like it's, it's a category and right. ultimately porn is a product. You right, know, they're trying to sell. A We're trying to product, sell. yeah, mm -hmm. and it's a it's a way to categorize Classify our bodies to um, access it. Yeah, hopefully that evolves, and we will come up with a you know more like inclusive term. Um, for now, it's it's BBW. Yeah, and I think like, um, like within terms like. You know, belly play is like a popular hashtag, especially within like a plumper pass where it's a website or a platform full of porn with like um, fat women. And like, I don't know, I just think like, I think that the main, I think there's a lot to learn <laughs> from BBW porn. And I think I learned it in my own, you know, just as like a viewer, basically, because I feel like as a teenager, when we talk about media and the state of like fat representation in the media, um, although it's improving on the fashion side of things and which, you know, in entertainment a little bit, but really not, you know, right. there's very few larger bodied performers of like high status in entertainment. Um, and when they are, there's not, yeah, there's just not many of them. Um, but then like with fashion, I feel like there's more representation, but it's also not, you don't actually see people that are like, very curvy or very voluptuous i still think there's a lot of like thin privilege and sizeism within like fat representation in the mainstream mm -hmm. so but even before all that 
really existed at all. Um, I feel like porn was the first and only place where I saw like hot, fat women. Mm. Because, and I wanted to see that because I don't know, I was always super like connected to my own sense of sexuality, I feel. And like, even as a little girl, I would like go to Lane Bryant with my mom and like only try on the sexy bras and 90s. And she would find me in the, the live, you know, living room, that too, the dressing room. Or like she would blow dry my hair a lot of the time, which I wish someone was doing that for me now. But um, I would stand at the sink and like, just shake my ponytail around and look at myself in the mirror, kind of like strippery, you know? Like, I was just obsessed with all of the, <laughs> that vibe. Um, and so when it came to, like, a high school time, you know, where I was having my own, like, hormone vibes and, like, feeling more horny, I guess? Is that the way to say it? Like, BBW porn just gave me something to see that made me feel good. It didn't make, it's not that I looked at somebody like a, like a Bunny De La Cruz I always saw back then. Like, it's not like I felt like I was her or that I had her exact body or that that meant that I was going to have that ex- same, like same sexual experience, but it just made me feel like a really good antidote to how thin every fucking thing is in the world. <laughs> you know? Yeah, representation, it's, it's so vital and um, I, I always say, you know, like we need more representation of, of everybody right. and everybody. Uh, yeah. yeah, because if you see someone that looks similar to you, like you said, y- you know, she wasn't exactly like you or totally representing you. But just having someone that wasn't a skinny person being on your media, your porn, yeah. um, that's important. Right. Because I think it's easy. I feel like... a um, like a wave of feminism from the past or something would like look at this idea of desirability as potentially problematic because, um, you know, should everything like, should everything be about, or should it be so important to like be, to feel desirable, you know? And like, should it be? Cause a lot of that time, even if people are queer, there's still this internalized, like, um, am I desirable to men? Because men have the power and all this, like, society is shaped by, like, male values. So, like, being hot in the eyes of men is just a reality. And, like, knowing where you are positioned in that reality is just, like, is impactful to people's life, whether they want it to be there or not. Mm-hmm. But then also there's this potential to, like, Aside from everybody else, I do think that people just have the right to feel desirable in and of themselves outside of all of that, you know? Yeah. So it's just interesting because, like, I feel like in a form, like a younger teen self or even early 20s, I guess, I felt like a lot of my, I did, a lot of my choices, I did want to feel desirable in the eyes of men, but... I almost feel like that was just a scapegoat for having to deal with actually feeling desirable myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's motivated me um, in addition to loving, you know, to exercise my exhibitionism and loving to get paid to fuck. Right. uh, The main motivation has been to just be out there naked, fucking, having fun, being comfortable to be an example to other f- 
fat people that you can do this. Like, we don't have to be a certain weight in order to feel sexy, desirable, right. all that. And also to people who don't like fat people, you know, just to be kind of like, fuck you. And, and will you, like, challenge why you feel this way? Right. I love that. Because, I mean, I feel like now it's a little bit more <laughs> integrated, but... Because I do feel confident in my body, you know, and I said, like, oh, I felt alienated for a long time, even up until a couple years ago. Like, I feel really good as who I am. But what I do love about myself is that I still spent the last 10 years pretending I felt good about who I was (laughs) because fuck all those people. Right. You know, like, I had enough self-worth before I really could... And I think our relationships to our bodies change every day and every week and Mm -hmm. our hormones and all these different aspects, but... um, like intellectually, I've known for a long time that I have every right to deserve amazing sex despite and just an amazing life despite not despite my body, but just despite what the cultural conversation about my body could be. Because um, I don't know, people are the funny thing about like fear of fatness is that skinny as fuck people are extremely preoccupied sometimes with being fat. Like, everyone feels fat, fuck, you know? And I think that makes the, like, title of your book that much more impactful. Yay. Yes. <laughs> um, so what do you think makes you... Oh, yeah. Vroom, vroom, vroom. So I'm wondering, what do you think it is about what you bring to set or how you approach a new scene that makes them so enjoyable for yourself or so impactful? Is it just your joy for it? Um, Do you have any routines or ways you approach new projects? I always like to work on stuff that's going to make me grow as a person and performer. Um, The creativity behind it, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just love the whole process. Right, I love that. Um, and also getting to be physical with that person or use my body in, um, to me, I feel like an athlete. Like, right. fucking is kind of like, if you're, if you're doing it for a scene or for money, it's, there's athleticism to it. Like, the day, I'm older now, like, I, I started... 14 years ago and now like after I do a scene the next day I'm fucking tired because like when I'm in front of the camera there's like adrenaline and you know I'm I'm not thinking about like just one thing I'm thinking about lots of stuff right and I think the escapism for me has always been what what I love um most about like one of the things Mm -hmm. I love most is just to take a break from reality and just love that become this like whatever the artist or whatever's happening and uh, maybe that translates into, like, why people enjoy viewing right. my work. And, and I genuinely, yes. like, have fun. Yeah, that's so awesome. And how does it differ between directors when you're shooting different scenes? Like, are there people that have very distinctive style or approach than others? Um, is there any type, is there any quality or approach to directing that you really appreciate from somebody? Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate someone with a strong vision. And if they don't have that, at least they they know what they want. Because the worst thing is to be directed by someone who doesn't. Because that can take all fucking day. And it can just be tedious. Oh, and then you're out there doing all these, like, positions and moments. Yeah. And, and if, if I'm working with someone who has, like, a dick, 
they go soft, you know, after a while. Like, yeah. so there's been maybe one scene that stands out. Uh, the director was just all over the place. We were on a really uncomfortable couch. Like I was wearing a stupid fucking crown. Like it was just a kind of a nightmare all around. And the yeah. guy lost his wood and we, we couldn't continue. So basically my scene got not cut, but it got really Truncated. condensed down. Yeah. yeah. And that's because direct... Um, cause of the director just being like wasting time with not knowing yeah just being a little bit like right uh just all over the place it's hot also i mean not to sexualize it but also it is sexualized is like for me at least as a creative who sometimes does love being in the more dominant position where i'm executing a specific idea but as someone who has also like modeled in different ways or performed like i love surrendering to the vision of somebody who knows mm -hmm. what they want right like that's the dream is to you want everyone to be kind but i think like there's a lot of kind people who don't really let models like uh experience or share their full gifts because mm. they're not really saying anything to you know they're not giving that clear direction or clear kind of guidance that opens up channels for that model or performer to explore you know very well said. I Thank love that. You. Yeah, that's such that's a good what point. I love about I love just I don't know, like the hair and makeup and like I kind of think like should I stop putting model on like my bios and stuff? Um but I'm like I don't need to do a resume check, but I've modeled for tons of reputable things, but also just as a creative, I just love it. Like I I want to say it because it's part of who I am. Doesn't matter how much it's making money for me or not. Mm, yeah, I love that. Thank you. Perfect. Um, so when you're done with this scene, I know you mentioned like the next day, but um, has there ever been a time, or in general, like after you film a scene, do you feel very tired and sort of done or are you kind of turned on not just sexually but just like with adrenaline and energy like do you want to go home and like fuck your partner or do you want to like go to bed right away or <laughs> uh, yeah I'm totally turned on physically because I just got fucked but m artistically and like all of the all of, it. all of the molecules in my body are like partying and being yeah. like yeah um so I want to first take a shower and then I want to like eat yes yeah um sometimes maybe go have sex with someone else but not necessarily it's just kind of a very um religious again a religious moment for me yeah just showering eating something chilling out for the rest of the day right and you say religious um in terms of like on set and in performance but in general do you feel like sex hat and your own sexuality has factored into your own spirituality or like sense of divineness at all? Yeah, I think that, you know, when we're connecting that deep with someone, you know, so for me, there's different types of sex, you know, right. like, like random anonymous sex. I can't deeply connect with that person right? because those encounters for me are just about the physical, like yeah, just being that raw, you know, like yeah. fuck a stranger, whatever. Um, but, you know, if you're with someone, um, you are able to, well, I'm able to, like, connect and the eye gazing and the energetic sex and just all that. Like, when you orgasm, like, I, I feel like I go to another dimension. Right. So, yeah, I feel like sexuality is part of, 
part of my spirituality. Right. I just feel that way too. And I don't really vocalize that that much, but just like even my times by myself and like coming by myself, I feel I, even though I had a lot of, or I had different types of, oops, um, even though I've had different chunks of time where I had plenty of partners or specific partners or partner, um, I feel there was like solid couple years or more, just different times in my teen and 20s life where um, I was just like mostly coming by myself, but that felt really good. And it's like, what did that, how did that serve me? It made my anxiety so much lower. Yeah. It sort of emotionally reset me out of, one whatever I was up to that day or worrying about or work or school or whatever and then like moving into a different phase and like I don't know just being with yourself and like having that sense of not only inner power but also um inner freedom like we could all like I'm loving the idea of like playing myself like an instrument you know and like how can I that could be literally flicking it like a piano or whatever but (laughs) (laughs) it's so beautiful the sounds yeah uh, (laughs) um but just also knowing that just as I can make myself feel immensely full of pleasure within a certain type of meditative experience I could feel all sorts of ways and artistically that is exciting to me yeah I never masturbate more than when I'm sick like right. That's all I want to do. Just you like, want to feel better. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so miserable. Let me fucking fuck myself. Right. <laughs> it's so funny. I know this exact mood. Um, <laughs> let me see here. So, um, I love your penmanship. Oh, my God. It's so cute. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like when people in public see me with my pen and paper, they're like, give it up, bitch. Like... <laughs> Like, just like I'm, like, romanticizing writing or something, but it really helps me to have, like, I just love pens and paper. I have a fetish for all of this. The tactile stuff. I've just been like this my whole life. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. And so, well, it's a little early, but I, do you want to play Tyranny Answers? This is a moment where you have the floor for a few minutes where you could ask me anything you want. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is where I pander to guests to be interested about my life. I'm interested in your experience as a native to LA yeah. and Southern California. What do you feel about all of the change that's happening so rapidly in our right. city? Um, I'm also native and I have mixed emotions about it. And I just like to talk to other natives about yeah. like, um, how do you feel? Yeah, it's a really good question. I feel horrible about a lot of it I mean and I don't even before or even aside from the literal like political and sociopolitical critique Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna respond at a personal level which is ew fuck (laughs) ew like I mean I just think I always refer to it as like the buzzfeedification of Hollywood (laughs) like how Hollywood became this kind of digital media I don't know I mean I'm just talking more about for people who aren't from here here to know what I'm d- meaning. It's like there was like a large BuzzFeed office erected in Hollywood and like all of these businesses followed. Like for me, Hollywood is where I really see it a lot, obviously downtown. But like, I don't know. So just at different levels, like growing up, Hollywood still had a little bit of a funkiness to it. Yeah. 
and something that I'm really passionate about as somebody who grew up here, my parents grew up here, my grandpa, who I grew up in the same house with, um, was super close to, he came here when he was five because his dad was in the movie industry in New York. Oh, so when it changed, when it moved to Hollywood and Hollywood was like really kicking off, they all moved. So I grew up in the house where they all grew up, uh, my mom and her nine siblings in L.A., so anyway, all of that is to say I really hate the idea of like a historicism in Los Angeles and that like there's not this people assume there's not history here and people assume there's nothing to preserve somewhere like Hollywood except from like the stars and handprints or whatever. Um, but like in this center of this area where I'm talking about that I don't really like now because of all the like new business and just the new face of it and how that displaces people and just makes it feel like a super hyper consumer hyper instagram influencer retail <laughs> environment um it's like youtubers on the street out here but <laughs> there's like blessed sacrament which is like where my grandpa went to school when he's little so like I'll always like see that and feel a little sense of like connection to what's been here beyond you know and um i think we should be more conscious and concerned with preserving what we love about Los Angeles because it's a city where there's global interest in um, like using this idea that people care about the future in LA more than the past mm. to like our disadvantage as locals, you know? Yeah. And I think downtown um, is really sad. I think there's no reason for there to be the homelessness that there is in Los Angeles given the immense amount of wealth in the city. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't believe in, like, not in my backyard. I'm like, come. I feel like the Starbucks I go to, all the homeless people are there, and I'm glad. I believe in sharing public space with everybody. And I think in downtown, it's like a really crazy divide, right? Between like, you either have a lot of money and mm -hmm. you're there working or in your little apartment, or you live on the street in one of these like large communities of people with that are displaced from housing. And I feel like, who does that serve all like so that there's new places downtown for rich people from Europe to go to like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, where did you grow up in LA or where do you see like change the most? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Hollywood because I lived in Hollywood from, uh, I lived there for 14 years and I'm there all the time. Yeah. So I have seen it. I used to go cruising down Hollywood like in 92, 93. Yeah. Um, so I have seen, the whole evolution of it. And it used to be grimy, dirty, like just right. disgusting, gross. And, yeah. uh, but we used to go cruising down, uh, starting, starting kind of around like Gower all the way till mm, La Brea, maybe yeah, back and forth. And, um, I just have that connection to it just being like fun, you know, for early fun. days of me That's going the out word. fun. And it was, Same. it was gross, you know, and there right. was like all types of like camera shops. And I don't know if you remember that. It was like totally, film, like shops, yeah. like selling radios and I stuff. I think that's why I'm so bitter about like the Instagram-y stores I'm describing. Cause yeah. I'm like, fuck your matcha. Like this is a meth <laughs> corner. Like, uh. <laughs> but yeah. And also, um, I feel like a lot of, I don't know like what exactly about the city is like makes this happen, but, um, uh, they just like tear down buildings and like raise new ones up like spaghetti factory i was right. so sad when they closed it yeah it's gone now it's like some like huge building now so i'm really concerned about that even in the valley um it's slower but it's like 
um, the valley is also developing to serve the great amount of people that are here that can't afford to live in some of the places we're saying, yeah. which is where people used to be able to live more affordably because mm-hmm. they didn't want to be in Hollywood or whatever. Um, and it's making me feel a sense of urgency with some creative projects, mm-hmm. uh, more modeling and just production design and like making, you know, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to tell this. I want to tell stories about the Valley in L.A. And like, that's just my passion and the stuff that I like keep to in private, you know, um, for now. <laughs> but it. I get nervous that I won't be able to have that sign or this moment in my movie because, um, yeah, they're just, it just goes away. The developer is going to be like, get rid of that. Right. It's old and funky. And I love the funkiness of LA. Like people from who aren't from here have such a expectation of the glitz and glamor of Hollywood, which as we've described was silly to begin with, but as an idea, <laughs> but like, um, the reality is LA is such a down to earth city. Like you can have the least money in LA and like, as long as your basic needs are met, like I think you can get by with a better quality of life here with less money than in a lot of other places because mm. of the like natural beauty and just the rhythms of the city. It's not like a, a super like straight directive city like New York where people are just like at work every day and they have a goal and like everyone has their like one vibe or a couple vibes where here like some you know myself included like I have like such a range of jobs and I just like wake I'm always myself but I just wake up different days of the week and like do different things and then there's such a like slinkiness and a humbleness and I don't know you don't have to be fancy or rich or famous to be from LA and like most of the people who concentrate on LA as like an alienating place I think are just feeling really alienated. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds fucked up, but don't you feel like as somebody from here, there is like a little, you get to feel at home a little bit more easy. Yeah. I, I, I I love it. My mom grew up here and her mom also grew up here. So I guess we're both third generation. Um, yeah, it's sad to see the change. And it's just happening so fast. Right. That's the thing the for me. The last couple like, years, I would say. Right. I know that there's like the steps have been building over time, but it just seems like maybe, I don't know, the last couple like the years. Five years. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see I what definitely, happens. <laughs> I don't know tons about it. I'm hoping that I'll be able to talk to somebody on this podcast or elsewhere. Ooh. But like the... Um, like no Olympics movement. Oh, um, right. I super believe in not hosting the Olympics in LA and not contributing even further to the displacement of people in vulnerable communities already. Mm-hmm. And I hope that works out. And like the other thing, if you want to know what it's like <laughs> in terms of gentrification in LA, uh, steps from um, Skid Row, which is like, you know, the nexus of homelessness in Los Angeles is a huge development and like it feels like a back lot because it's not even nobody even goes there but a huge retail and office space called the row mm. right next to skid row and like it's super bad inappropriate. Uh, it's inappropriate margo is perturbed um <laughs> i will admit that one time i was asked to speak at a business at the row and i went so i'm, I'm you know i'm part of the problem <laughs> like i don't know it's hard. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I believe in having values, right? So I kind of wish I was like, and I said no. I didn't go to the row. But then I'm like, I'm a little 
business girl. <laughs> yeah. Um. So April, if let's see, if nobody has seen any of your scenes before, if one of the listeners, if there is like one scene that you would point them to, do you have an idea of what that would be? Mm-hmm. I never knew. Side note: I never knew dragon fruit was so gorgeous. It's so pretty, right? It's so beautiful. Do you like the taste? I like the taste. It's like a fancy kiwi. Exactly. I was trying to think like, what? I'm eating some now. Um, mm. So I will tell you about Dangerous Curves, which is a movie that um, Carlos directed and I wrote. Mm-hmm. And we shot it up in Northern California over two or three days. The whole movie is very beautiful. And we concentrated on the... Uh, female orgasm so the scenes didn't end when the guy came like cool. we didn't show if if there was a you know guy with a person with a penis on there they would then have like the pop shot yeah um just all about the orgasm um and my scene in that film was with uh Gisley and Sid Blakovich cool. at the bottom of a um waterfall a huge waterfall wow. on a rock it was freezing cold. It was really uncomfortable to shoot, but the finished product is gorgeous. Oh and my gosh. the way it was shot and edited, it was kind of like rainy and the, like, the, like I said, the waterfall and just we were on this huge rock and just fucking and it was kind of overcast. So it has like this blue haze um, and Ooh. and the editing, like they did a lot of slow motion, which makes everything look beautiful. Um, and I just have such an affinity for that scene because of the people in it and just getting there was like we had to hike like two fucking hours to get there and then we had to go down like this um hill like this very uh narrow hill to get there everyone had equipment it was just oh my god the whole shit was really did you do hair and makeup there or like after the hike we did hair and makeup at the house that we rented before. Before you set that shit. Yeah, I was the makeup <laughs> artist. <laughs> yes, uh, I love Jizz. Jizz was on our second episode. Oh yeah, they're amazing. So listen, listen. Yeah, they're so amazing. Um, so check that out if you can. Yes, tell us the name one more time. Dangerous curves. Dangerous curves. And so, if we look, like, should we buy it, rent it, stream it, wherever we can get it? Just yeah, watch it. Wherever you can get it. Okay, good. Um, and then tell me about one of the more recent videos you shot with Shape of Beauty. How was that? Oh, Shape of Beauty. So I took a like two year break just to focus on like personal stuff and just to like have a little reset. Shape of Beauty um, is like I'm trying to think of who who does it. It's um, adult time. Adult time, right? Thank you. My mm-hmm. memory's bad. A porn channel. Yeah, kind of yeah. like right. Um, so they're like the Netflix of porn, I think yeah. is how they like to um, describe it. Uh, they have this plus size line. <laughs> uh, and A busty natural category. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they cast me and it was great. It was my first scene, you know, in a long time. And the production value was amazing. Like everything was exactly how I think all BBWs should be treated. You know, just like good great like hair and makeup and everyone was super respectful on set it was just like such a nice nice time and just um i was like had the the premise was you know the masseuse but it was switched where i wasn't the masseur i was like the person getting massaged Mm -hmm. nice there was 
body oil, baby oil all over or what a coconut oil I think it was. I'm like super glisteny and um I performed with Seth Gamble who's a pro. So I felt very um safe yeah. with all those people there and just like okay, I, like I a little I felt a little bit rusty but also super like held. That sounds amazing. So yeah. go watch that. Yeah, go watch it. Um, Brie Mills, the director, right? She yeah. is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of a director who knows exactly what she wants. Right. She is like, she knows what she wants. And what I really loved about her directing style is just how respectful she was of everybody. Um, everyone on set. I, I think that's really powerful for a d- director to be nice. I love that too. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, we're going to wrap up in a second, but I thought I'd ask you a couple silly questions. Okay. Like, if you were a fairy godmother, what sexual gift or blessing would you bestow upon people? The power to give amazing oral sex. Ooh. And so do you have any best practices? I just love like feeling it. Like if it's a penis, I like to imagine like how does it feel to this person to like like slurp here, like yeah. like that. Also, um, with a vagina and a pussy, like I just like to get in there and just like imagine the sensations that I'm creating for this person. Um, that's great, thank you. And you know, I feel like there's this cultural idea that it's easier to get people with a penis off through oral sex than people with a vulva vagina like do you think that's true do you think I feel like that's false but I also feel like I when it comes to like giving head to a dick I feel 100% amazing pro level but (laughs) but I (laughs) just kidding I'm not just kidding I'm just kidding that I'm deeming myself pro level um but when it comes to the vulva moment I think I I think I'm just fine at that too but like the story around this part is that it's like harder to please or something Uh, like the elusive orgasm you know what I mean the elusive female orgasm and I know not all vulvas are female but like Female orgasm, is it that hard? You you do tons of queer porn. I feel like maybe even more queer porn than porn with like cis straight dudes or about. Yeah, it's probably like even. even. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, like, do you feel like there's a big difference? In terms of like performing, the only difference is if you're blowing a dick then you like I like to gag and spit and do all that stuff which I I can't really do um yeah. you know because it's a fucking it's a long protruding thing and you right. can choke on it but I do see where you're coming from about the um you know the dick just being easier to get off I I don't know that makes sense though your insight because no wonder it's easier to feel confident maybe because maybe. you have the the like the I don't want to call them like performance elements because they're like for the pleasure too but like the just the capacity to choke and fling it around and like it's just more of a prop so it might seem easier exactly. to do exactly yes it's a prop <laughs> it's a prop um, uh, yeah P- people with penises is just a fucking prop it's just a prop so if you want me to someone. To if you want me to treat your pussy like a prop, um, <laughs> let me know and I'll try to. 
<laughs> and if you're somebody who feels you're able to treat pussy pops already, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Margot, do you have any sex, relationship, love, body, or LA questions oh. for April? <laughs> Anything you need any um, sexual therapy about? Probably. Uh, Margo might need it, but she's not sure. I know I'm just throwing that at you, but it's not to say that you're a sex therapist, but I feel like in culture for as much as we criminalize or say that it's bad for like porn to be the source of our like youth sex education, I feel like beyond just focusing on that, like, anti-porn kind of fear we should just talk to sex workers about sex yeah like it's the best resource we know about it right um to that note if any listeners have questions that you'd love to share with april um or me or even margo just please write in oh i have a question yes um what uh marijuana or infused or uh, thc cbd nice um, so good. Lubes or anything that you've encountered, you like or oh, great so, question, right? So the question is, what uh, lubes or strains or what marijuana or CBD products that April would recommend? There's a company called Quim. Have Quim. you heard of Quim? No. They make products that are, uh, you know, they have THC and CBD, and they're amazing. Um, I, I, I wish I had some copy in front of me to give you exactly what it is, but it's Q-U-I-M. And they have what I've been using most recently. Well, they, they have like, um, it's like Foria. Yeah. But it's it's not Foria. It's it's Quim. And um, so the first product that I used of theirs, it was like um, kind of to get you just like feeling good down there and just feeling relaxed Mm -hmm. and um it's from the thc and i I don't know the scientific yeah words behind why it works but it does it makes you relaxed and then your orgasms are like fucking mind-blowing is it a spray or a lube it's it's an oil that i'm not i i can't remember how it's it's dispensed because i got in a vial okay but i i'm infused yeah i think it uh you pump it and it smells amazing. Ooh, and Quim. Yeah, some of them are not safe for condoms. Right. And I think they have one that they're releasing that is condom for safe. For latex, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, latex, right. Uh, and then they also, what I've been using recently, I don't know the name of it again. Um, it escapes me, but it's they, uh, they, they describe it as face cream for your vagina. No. So after a shoot... I put some of that. It's it's also oily and um, I don't know the properties in it, but yeah, yeah. it feels amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's just like soothing or after you shave or I even use it when I have like some chafing down there. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. So yeah, I would recommend nice. that. Mm-hmm. And do you, when you use infused lube during sex, um, do you, have you experienced like, more pleasure or enhanced sensation like uh yeah you believe in it i believe in it yeah it's like it's magic to believe in. i'm just curious oh, yeah i know it's it feels great like it just enhances everything like the orgasms are just like ah! i think so too right? i've experienced a lot with foria margo have you used any of the uh cannabis infused lubes before i have tried Oh, the sample from yeah. Pillow Talk? <laughs> oh, yeah. We had some Foria at um, an event we did at the Standard. Thank you, Foria. But, 
Yeah, um, for listeners, I think trying an infused, cannabis-infused lube, I definitely think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And also the suppositories. I don't know if other brands have them, but Foria does. Of They're just little coconut oil with cannabis. Um, little suppositories and, like, I don't know, they're like jelly beans, honestly. And, <laughs> like, uh, I feel popping them in. I just love it. I love, like, using the infused, lube like if i know i'm gonna have sex with somebody i put it on like i'm marinating Ooh, like yeah. i like slap her on early <laughs> that's and that's part of the like ritual like right. the religious part of sex yeah. uh yeah you can put those little jelly beans in your butt too yeah i wanted to try that for i'm not that good at having anal sex which is okay i know but i want i enjoy it enough to want to feel more acclimated but i'm gonna need some of those beans yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't do so much anal either no i just feel like some people's bodies are are built or just like the way they're shaped right to enjoy anal sex a little bit more although maybe i i just need to keep exploring i don't know right and when it comes to sexual positions do you believe the more the merrier like do you believe more like more is better or like if there's a few that I love the most or even a couple sometimes is it okay to just be doing those yeah just have like the greatest hits you know right. do doggy's great for me missionary gets kind of like it's boring or whatever but I love missionary because you can do eye contact and you can do kissing I don't know I think missionary must seem boring to people because it's the only one they do because <laughs> you know what I mean because in and of itself it's like not that boring. We're, right. You're right there. Yeah. Like you're literally like colonizing me with your dick. Like <laughs> that's the whole mood of it, right? Is like take it, like as though it's religion. Um, I also have been thinking about recently, um, or have recently been thinking about how the emphasis on sex is about penetration. Yeah. You know, I feel like sex can be just oral or just fucking digits. Or yeah. even just like not even fucking, you know, like energy sex. Milka, my husband and I, like we do a lot of energy sex where I can feel, you know, like being penetrated with like his energy dick or just, you know, so I, I would like to bring up the idea of like sex not concentrating to penetration, penetration, mm -hmm. totally or ending in an orgasm. Right. I feel like that's just so relaxing. Like, don't have sex as like a match game where you have to have the score of like do we both come, Did you come? or only okay. one or yeah. you know it's like it's just relaxing because then it also puts less pressure on I feel like it gives it puts less pressure on it and allows you to enjoy more sex by not having to like assign what will be the end of it right. do you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. why can't I just like finger your ass a while and <laughs> be done. Yeah. You know I, what I, I mean? I it's love, like I love just giving and you know, getting a little workout on my arms and stuff. Right. <laughs> and then being done and I'm like fully satisfied. And I, I never used to really feel like this when I was younger. Um, but yeah, I would like to bring up that as a, an idea. And so like for someone who feels maybe they've like kind of put together clues of what like energy sex means, but um, like... How do you describe that? Or like if somebody wants to like bring that kind of approach sexuality to their experience after they listen, what would you advise? 
Well, I think you have to... I've only done it partnered, so that's right. what I'm going to speak on. Uh, you find someone that you are deeply connected with or that you you know, you know trust. And it's it's kind of like meditative where you go into another like state of mind and it's just the sharing of energy, exchanging it, and in whatever way that looks... Just, just try to be deeply connected. Right. I don't know. I, I, you know, you, you, you do kind of grind. So right now I'm speaking specifically with Milka. We grind. Um, but it's not like the humping, you know, like right. from like high school or no. whatever. It's, it's very intentional. And then, I don't know, like after a while you just start feeling it. And you're letting it into your body. And letting it's it like in. emitting from there, I feel. Yeah. Like. And you... You kind of have to let go because if you think about it literally, it's like, okay, what well, we're fucking, we both have like clothing on, like, right. this is stupid. But you have no, to like I, let go of that. The energy sex I've had is like the craziest sex. Like, it feels so connected and right? also so like horny. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, it's, it doesn't just because you're not like touching doesn't make it feel less tactile, sexual. Yeah. You know, it just feels like actually somehow even more deeply there yeah it's like communion right <laughs> bless me father for i have sinned this <laughs> the body of the Christ. yeah the <laughs> every time you watch april flores porn you are eating the body of christ yeah it's <laughs> going to church the eucharist starring april flores <laughs> um there's nothing more I love than sexualizing and feminizing Catholicism. <laughs> so thank you. And thank you for just being so lovely. I'm oh, so glad you. that we could talk. Likewise. I want a part two, three, four, five, six already. Yeah, so. every day. Yeah. You'll be back in the studio soon. <laughs> I can't wait. Anything else you want listeners to check out? Um, no, think about before we wrap up. Just check my... Twitter or my Instagram, if you want to yes. know what's going on, I'm, I'm on those things. At April Flores, uh, the April Flores for both. Sorry, the yeah. April Flores. It's okay, and uh, I have a website coming soon. All this stuff, yes. you know, I, I came back, and the game is like totally different. So I'm like feeling a little bit, um, pre like Jurassic, like dinosaur. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm just learning. Right. And I mean, we didn't even emphasize that, but just sharing that you have taken like sabbaticals in a way from porn and then returning that is very interesting. So I'm yeah. wishing you all the luck. Thank you. I don't think you'll need a ton, <laughs> but um, just in kind of like it, it all happens to us, right? When you have to level up to like new iterations of your business, yeah. and like it takes time to make those sites and portfolios for whatever you do. So, yeah, if you want to watch my growth, then uh, join my OnlyFans, and my site will be live next year, January. Okay, perfect. Twenty twenty. Um, yeah, just like yes, I hope support you enjoy April. Isn't April amazing? Once again, follow her on Instagram at the April Flores. And here's some good news. I'm giving away a copy of her book, Fat Girl, to two lucky listeners. All you have to do is leave Tierney Talks a comment on our Apple Podcasts page. Rate us five stars and mention you love the April Flores episode. 
screenshot your comment once it publishes and DM it to me on IG at tstar7 or email it to me. The first two commenters will receive the book and I won't even make you pay for shipping. And did I mention it's signed? Even if you don't get around to listening to this until after our limited sweepstakes window, please still consider leaving us a review. I love when new people listen to this podcast, and most of the time that's a result of your recommendations. So for real, thank you. Share with a friend, and until next time, XOXO, Gossip Girl. If you got most skills and a little bit bounce, get down with your working with, dang. So fly, gotta let them know. And it was a butt guy pass, gotta make them go. Ooh, she magical, ooh, she magical, ooh, she magical, yeah, she magical, ooh, she magical, ooh, she magical, ooh, she magical, yeah, she magical. You got most skills and a little bit bounce, get down with your working with, dang. So fly, gotta let them know. And it was a butt guy pass, gotta make them go. Ooh, she magical, ooh, she magical, ooh, she magical, yeah, she magical.